Smarties, today we welcome Megan. Megan is the parent of one of Steph's clients at My Ed Therapist. And spoiler alert, Steph's client, Gracie, Megan's daughter, will be joining us next week to share her own perspective on the story you are about to hear. Megan in this episode shares why her daughter started and then stopped educational therapy and what eventually led Gracie to start again. She talks about how how she became the executive functioning part of her daughter's brain, how Gracie's challenges emerged in multiple schools and how she was consistently inconsistent. She talks about how working with Steph was life-changing and transformative for their mother-daughter relationship and how home life and her relationship with Gracie has dramatically improved. Megan also shares her own deep empathy for her daughter, her own self-reflection, and her profound coachability, which has allowed for this beautiful relationship with Steph to really have an impact. Be sure to listen in next week to hear Gracie's perspective on the story. And if you are interested in having educational therapy transform your life the way that Megan shares, be sure to sign up for a phone call with My Ed Therapist by going to their website, www.myedtherapist.com or with my practice cap educational therapy group and our website is www.cap with a k edtherapy.com let's dig in you want to learn faster but sometimes working harder is just not the answer you have to learn smarter the educational therapy podcast Hi, Smarties. Welcome to episode 210 of Learn Smarter, the educational therapy podcast. I'm Stephanie Pitts. And I'm Rachel Kapp. And today I'm really excited to have a guest on our show, one of my clients' mom. (laughs) Megan, welcome. Thank you so much. So glad to have you here. We love when we get to talk to parents and then we get to talk to the students and our audience really connects with these episodes. So we appreciate both of you for doing this. But to kind of get us started, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what brought you to educational therapy with my ed therapist in the first place? I'll go back a few years. We first learned about Stephanie and my ed therapist not long after Gracie was diagnosed at the Cleveland Clinic with OCD. We were living here and then we moved to the Midwest. We moved uh, just outside of uh, Cleveland, Ohio for, it only was about five, six months because Gracie's OCD really hit. And we felt like the best thing for her was to come back to everything that was stable and that she knew. So we moved back from Ohio to California. And she went, got right back into her former school. So that was seventh grade. We found a therapist out here to work with her OCD. And she was the one who then recommended Stephanie. And then we also went to the school and we shared about, okay, here's what we've learned, what's going on with our kid. They were very receptive and very helpful. And we put in an IEP at the time um, that was pretty limited. We were all just kind of flying by the seat of our pants. We didn't really know what to do for our kid. I don't know that the school was set up very well to really provide help there. 
then that was when we reached out then to Stephanie. And Stephanie then began working with Gracie in eighth grade. Yeah, probably the beginning of eighth grade through... It was like Christmas break. Halfway through the year, we were working on all the things, helping Gracie with executive functioning. And, you know, she was struggling in school, but really in a way that her intelligence was carrying her. But she didn't have a lot of the foundational skills. So Christmas break, tell us what happened in eighth grade. We have a conversation. She sits it down. She said, I don't need any help. I really, I have this now. I've got it under control. I know exactly what I need to do. And of course, I know enough to know that we haven't been working long enough for these new tools of yours to stick. So you may be learning how to put in different you know, systems and some of these tools so that you don't drop a ball, but there's no way this has been long enough to stick. No, mom, I got this. I can do this on my own. So it was enough pushback to where my husband and I are like, no, they say, let them fail. You fail forward. Yes. Then there's, you know, the old blessing of a B minus. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Wasn't a B minus. Right. (laughs) Yeah. So came to Stephanie. I can remember, you know, sitting there with you and like, okay, she feels like she's got this. I definitely remember looking over at Stephanie. (laughs) Here we go. (laughs) Yeah, because just to be clear, we both knew that that was not a good idea, but the pushback was too extreme. She needed to learn. Yeah. Was she communicating this to you in session too? A little bit. It was more like, yeah, oh yeah. Like when I would remind her to do something. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I was going to do that. Yeah, that's what I was going to do next. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, anytime you have a neurodivergent or mm-hmm. a kid with something that's going on, of course, we can look back and go, whoa, there were signs of things way back in preschool. Sure, mm-hmm. of course. But they have developed so many tricks. Mm-hmm. That sounds more negative, but they've figured out a way to... They know you. Yes. Yes, of course. You know, she also has massive perfectionist issues. Right. I don't want them to think that I don't have this. Like, I got this. I know. I'm capable. And she presents as very capable. Mm-hmm. She can speak really well to adults and she can do a lot of things at a high level. She's very likable. Mm, that's going to serve her so well. Mm-hmm. One day, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Adults like her. Her teachers like her. It, that is very clear. She's been able to cover up a lot of things that really mess her up. But then again, you know, at that point in time, it was like, God, you know, you can lead a horse to water, but if they're not ready to drink, yeah. this isn't going to work. So she then moved on to do this herself. That second half of eighth grade. I then Mm. go back to the old rule, which is I'm going to check your agenda. I'm going to make sure you're Mm. really not good on a couple fronts. Not good for a mother-daughter dynamic. You know, I've always said, I I don't want to coach my kids. I'll just be the mom who takes you for ice cream after. That level of involvement, particularly with a personality that my kid has, it just wasn't 
good. It wasn't positive. That was just a lot of locking horns, if you will. Mm -hmm. Not only is she dealing with all of the ADHD, OCD stuff, but now she has somebody working with her. Now it's very contentious. Mm -hmm. So that's just a recipe for disaster on every front. So then fast forward to ninth grade, disaster. Yes, most definitely a disaster because I'm still now involved. Mm -hmm. So I know the shortcomings. Can you tell us a little bit about what that is? Was she missing assignments? Like what was happening? Yeah, it's assignments. It's that executive functioning of being organized. You were the executive functioning part of her brain. That's right. And then the welcome part of her brain. Mm -hmm. So it's her freshman year that then turns into the COVID year. Okay. So semester one, she is at a small private high school. Didn't want to be at this high school, but we felt like with the things that she's managing, that would be a better place for her, right? Smaller classrooms, better, you know, closer relationship with the teacher, et cetera. Yeah. But she didn't fit. It wasn't a good fit for her at all. We knew that, but that never gelled. Mm. So the same problems again, Mm -hmm. not writing things into an agenda. So then you don't remember your assignments. You don't remember to turn them in. Sometimes you do them, you forget to turn them in. Mm -hmm. The way she would describe it is, I thought I turned it in. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I've learned a lot. I mean, her brain plays tricks on her for a long time. You know, I'm not proud of it, but yeah, I thought you're lazy. You're, I mean, I'm not telling my kid she's lazy, but. That's how it looks, Megan. It's so frustrating because it looks like either you don't care or you're lazy what's going on? Because, you know, you could tell that she had the intelligence to do so much better, right? For sure. Perform better. Right. Exactly. And so then in 10th grade, she switches schools. And COVID is still happening. So now she's at the big public school. We're in the summer going into her junior year. She realizes on her own, I have got to perform at a very different level academically if I want to go and be able to play my sport in college. Mm. Second semester of 10th grade, her grades were low. So what happened was she was doing actually fine, very well. And so yes, and her grades were showing that. If I remember correctly, she didn't have any Cs. She was getting A's and B's. Uh A high A in math. Wow, everything's going really well. And you're holding your breath through all this. (laughs) And then? I mean, I've been there, done that. So it feels like the old Peanuts cartoon, right? With Lucy and the football. Mm -hmm. I'm holding the football. I'm thinking everything's going great. You know, or I'm Charlie Brown waiting to kick it. And then boom, that football gets pulled. Great analogy. It was after spring break. And, you know, Gracie goes to a therapist. She was going every other week at that point. All of this stuff is on Zoom, right? So she stopped going. She stopped doing her Zoom. I never knew this. On the other side of that, the therapist never told me. She'd say, oh, I'm good. Everything's great. I don't need to meet with you this week. Again, it goes back to her old, I just want everybody to think I'm good. Mm -hmm. She has no safety net now at this point. And everything falls apart. The wheels fell off the cart. So about a month, month and a half, before the end of school, she just shut down. Mm. No assignments were getting done, not studying for tests, 
grades weren't getting in until really late. So I really couldn't tell, even though I was checking in, I didn't know things were falling off either. So then all of a sudden you get to finals. Whoa, what happened? Like it's over. And you know how it is. Like at that point, can't recover. And teachers are gone. They've left for the summer. You're just done. Her grades just tanked. Mm-hmm. I felt really guilty that I didn't know mm. because I had felt like, hey, it's, you know, it's age appropriate. I need to back up. This hasn't been a healthy situation for us. So I wasn't tracking all the agenda stuff. And so just to be very open, I felt like I failed her. Mm. You know, I think it's important to distinguish. It's not being a helicopter parent. I was stepping into a role that wasn't great. And at the same time, I don't think there's a way for too many parents to be in that role. I really think that's a critical piece to outsource. At least it certainly was for my relationship with my kid. It was a perfect storm for that to happen. Mm -hmm. So her GPA plummets. And now we go into summer, going into, you know, her junior year and she figures it out. Mm. So she gets it. She has a goal that she has to achieve if she wants to play her sport in college. Yes. And that was the driving force of, oh, I need to do something about this. And I remember when you contacted me again and I said, is she open for this? <laughs> that was my first question because that was the whole problem to begin with. Before. And you said that she was and it was her idea. Then we started back up right before school started, I believe. It's my favorite time to have a student start. And here we are three quarters of the way through junior year. And she has to have a certain GPA because she has committed to a school for her sport. And it is very important that she maintains that GPA in order to stay on that team. Right. So when she came to that realization of, look, I have to achieve a cold, hard number Mm -hmm. because that's what it is. Mm -hmm. Now she's started back up with staff. Yes. And I do think that it's an important wrinkle because that big carrot didn't happen until end of September, early October. She had already started up with staff. That's right. That's huge. It was in late July and it was this, I want this. I want to be able to do this. And I said, Mm. the critical piece to this is that you have to learn how to manage what you have. Mm -hmm. And that is ADHD and OCD. Mm -hmm. You're going to have it the rest of your life. What do you want to do with it? You want to keep banging your head against it? Or do you truly want to say, all right, here's what I've got. And here's how I'm going to learn to manage it. Mm -hmm. Anybody who's been a long time listener of the podcast knows what Steph is doing with her. You're helping her manage her time, helping her manage her things, helping her learn how to deal with her portal in an effective way. All those things, I don't even need Steph to confirm because I know that's what's happening. But I'm curious, what shifted in your relationship with her? You only have a couple of years left with her in your house. So I'm curious, how did your relationship change? 
to use the expression life changing. Mm-hmm. Yes, it was life changing for sure. Because that role that I was playing, that wasn't a healthy role for me to play with my kid. Mm-hmm. That was able to shift over to this person that we as parents could trust a hundred percent. How many people that work with your kid can you really say that about? Not very many. Mm-hmm. So when you can find someone that you can trust implicitly, you know that they are all about the right things. My kid didn't need a crutch. She needed to learn. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is sometimes you're tough. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you know, more maternal, more, I don't know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. I, I know you do good cop, bad cop. You're doing it. She yeah. knows that. I remember, you know, not that long ago, maybe it was a few months ago. And I said, you did all that. Right. And she's like, mom, if I didn't do it, Stephanie would kill me. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, that was months ago. I was like, no, she doesn't want to disappoint. Exactly. In the best way. There's an accountability that's very hard for her to manage because of the stuff she's got. Right. So having that external accountability with Stephanie is everything. And so then, yes, for us personally, I'm able to step out of that role. That dynamic now is not adversarial. We don't have that piece. To be honest, I'm not perfect. Nobody is. I think, I think I've gotten better as the months have gone by. You have. So am I better now than I was in September? Yes. Am I better now than I was in October? Yes. For sure. A big piece of this too is that she was able to hit it out of the park this first semester mm-hmm. with Stephanie. Then there's those couple months of, whoa, congrats. That's just awesome you did above and beyond this marker, this GPA that was set that you had to hit. There's that. But I'm also a worrier. It's my nature, my former life, my greatest asset in my career was as a problem solver. So that's really tough when you have a teenager because you have to learn not to solve all the problems. And I think when you have a kid that has ADHD or OCD or whatever they have that's neurodivergent, that's really hard because I think a lot of times what's age appropriate for them to handle, they don't have it yet. So writing things down in a journal, my other kid had that in second grade. To this day, I'm guessing still a challenge. See, I said, I'm guessing. I don't really know. I don't look at it. I love it. So God, it's such a struggle as a parent. You're like, what am I supposed to help with? And what am I not supposed to help with? And that's where the relationship and the communication with Stephanie has been super helpful because I can't help myself. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I start to worry and I start to swirl. Even now I go, okay, there's two and a half months left to the end of the semester. And I have to hold myself back from sending that email to Stephanie of, okay, we're good. I have this person as the outlet. So instead of me to be crass, instead of me like kind of barfing that on my kid, 
mm-hmm. and saying like, have you done this? Have you done this? Have you done? And elevating her anxiety, which she already has a problem with and elevating her stress, which she already has tenfold. Mm-hmm. I can shoot an email to Stephanie say, Hey, I'm worried about this and this. We okay? Mm-hmm. And then, and of course, Stephanie knows I'm offsetting my own anxiety, my own stress, and quite frankly, my history of having the football pulled. You've had trauma in all this. Yeah. This is one of the reasons why I wanted you to come on the podcast because you're so aware of where you start to feel the anxiety yourself. And of course, I'm in her portal all the time. I know exactly what's going on with every single thing. I see her twice a week and we text outside of session. I didn't know that. She has my phone number. You don't have my phone number. (laughs) She's allowed to. (laughs) I was texting her last night. Mm -hmm. So she also knows she can be safe with me and you can be safe with me. And it doesn't have to go back and forth between the two of you. Mm. Like you can sit there and say like, this is worrying me and I'm stressed and frustrated and ah, is this going to be okay? And she's also coming to me going, you know, oh, my mom just gets all freaked out. And, you know, mm-hmm. neither of you need to know everything. That's my job. Mm-hmm. So I give you the information you need. I give her the information she needs. So do I tell her when you send me an email? No. When it's appropriate, I do. The important thing is that now I have pulled that dynamic out from the two of you, right? And I so appreciate how coachable both of you are because now she also knows that she has hit the marker. Part of me is a little bit afraid that she might sit there and say, oh, look, I did it. I don't need Stephanie anymore, which I'm going to argue vehemently against <laughs> look at Megan's <laughs> face <laughs> he knows she said this the other day I find out about stuff that I'm sitting here with you and the teachers never said it I didn't even know I had it just going through stuff she realizes that she isn't able to it's a constantly affirming process of intervention is a reminder of like, oh, there's gaps. Things are missing. I wouldn't have known if. And eventually the hope and the expectation and what I do think happens with the students that we work with over the long term, especially when we're twice a week with them, is that they will eventually start to internalize that and start to put their own checks and balances in place and need us a little bit less. But we're not there yet. And what I want to talk more about is the coachability factor. It's sort of the hidden truth of the parents that we like to work with both at Maya Therapist and CAP Educational Therapy is we want parents who are coachable to allow us to help them. We have to help both people, both the child and the parent in this process. And I think a lot of the attention gets focused on the learner Mm -hmm. and their experience. And the parent component, I think, is equally important and difficult in a very different way. So I'm curious, Megan, what has led you to allow for coachability with Steph? Is there something she did in particular? And then what would you tell other parents who are struggling to be coachable, I guess. As it relates directly to Stephanie, I don't know that I can articulate exactly what it was other than I really respected the way she worked with my kid. I really respected how she communicated 
to her. I respected how she worked and communicated to me. And every single step of the way, there was alignment in terms of, you know, what we were hoping for as parents that she would be able to help our kid with. So as soon as there was alignment, I'm going to listen to you and I'm going to do what you tell me to do. <laughs> now that- I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> the other piece of this, and you tell me what you think, Megan, was that all the things you were talking about with Steph, we hear this all the time. Like nothing you have shared in terms of like a kid who doesn't know what they need when they get to school or they do the assignment, but don't turn it in. I mean, this is all like all day, every day for the learners that we work with. So I think that experience that we sort of bring forward to the table of like, yes, this is a unique situation because you probably didn't experience school exactly in the way that Gracie is experiencing school, but we see it all the time. Mm -hmm. And I think that instills confidence in parents. It's unique to you, but kind of old hat for us. No, that's a really good point. And that was huge. The second time that she went back to Stephanie, when I shared with her what happened and how the wheels fell off the cart, And Stephanie's first comment was, that's exactly what I would have expected to have happened. Yeah. And I'm like, why? And then she went through it. Mm -hmm. So that was like, whoa, yes, you've been there, done that Mm -hmm. with hundreds of kids. Mm -hmm. I'm in the first one. Mm -hmm. (laughs) She knew exactly this, this, and this happened. That level of confidence is at the very highest level. And then, I think part of that's probably the personality of the parents as well, right? I'm open to criticism. I was a student athlete. So, okay, what am I doing wrong? Tell me what to do so that I can help my kid. You're coachable. You have experience of being coached before. At a high level. My job was hiring coaches at the highest level. So once you find someone in a field that is really doing a phenomenal job, you can let go or at least you can place your anxiety over here. And some of that is just also having, you know, I've got to have the self-discipline because I'm anxious by nature. Yes, I'm coachable. Tell me what to do and I will do it. But then there's still, you just worry for your kid. And I wasn't worrying that my kid got into this college. It's that feeling of, man, I know that this is my kid's dream. I know she does not have the scaffolding in order to get up there and stay up there. Mm. And that scaffolding is Stephanie. Mm. She's the one that can build layer upon layer so that yes, someday my kid can be on top of that and can handle it. A hundred percent. Yes. I have to have the confidence in Stephanie. And then I have to just let go. And when it bubbles up, I have my own process to manage it. So I don't throw it on my kid. And Stephanie is that valve for me too. I should be paying you double. (laughs) No ideas. I need to admit I'm not perfect. Right. I really am not. And as coachable as I have been, and I've gotten better and Stephanie says so, so it's so. (laughs) (laughs) There are times when I start to spiral a little bit and I go, Sunday, Grace, you good? Got everything done? Shut up, mom. Mm-hmm. 
She didn't say that. In my head, I'm saying, don't do, don't, 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 don't say it, don't say it. And I did, and I do. Yeah. But those times now are so much less. Look, you're in recovery, and we all slip up sometimes. Mm-hmm. You're a parent who's been through a lot. We don't talk about the parent experience necessarily as much, but like when you gave that football analogy, I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what it is. Sometimes that's what it feels like for us too, because we get very emotionally attached. If Steph was texting with Gracie last night, Steph's emotionally attached and involved in all this too. But we sort of expect this trajectory with the learners that we work with. And so it's awesome when we have a parent in place looking at themselves too in this whole process. We can very often be the source of a lot of stress. I have to really honor the process and journey that you've been able to take, that you listen and you take what I say and trust it. Because if you didn't, we would be having a different conversation and she would not have reached above that GPA that Steph told me. (laughs) Oh, Because I refer to her as my athlete. Yep. People on my team know who I'm talking about, especially because I've seen her over a course of years. I, yeah, I know her journey and I know how important this is to her to be able to play and play at this program. And, you know, and I have to throw in there, there was a couple weeks where I was sick and there were things going on and I didn't see her and she had a couple things going on and she started to slip. Mm. And that was just a couple weeks ago. And I said something to both of you separately about us not working together as much. And I was hoping that she would be able to keep the level, but she wasn't able to. She's not ready yet. She will, but she's not ready yet. But both of you acknowledged, yep, there was a difference with not seeing me as consistently for a couple of weeks. And it was only a couple of weeks. It wasn't like we were talking about months, but that trusting the process and not trying to rush it. So Megan, what would you tell other parents who are struggling with something similar? Of course, everybody's situation is unique. The most critical piece is reaching out for help. And it is finding an educational therapist that you can build the trust with. I'm not getting emotional on a podcast, but the fact that we found Stephanie, she would not be in a situation where she has a life-changing opportunity. That's just reality. She does have a life-changing, amazing opportunity. And I think a lot of the OCD and the ADHD have been a lot more managed with not as much stress because there's things aren't piling up. I'm not seeing it as much as I used to, for sure. You just got to get help. This is too hard, at least for somebody like me. All I know about what my kid manages every day is what I read, what I watch. I'm not in her brain. And so I'll read stuff. There have been things that then I've pushed over to her. And I said, is this how you feel sometimes? And she'll you know, text me back. It's exactly how I feel every single day. Whoa. Mm -hmm. What you have to manage is so beyond anything that I've ever had to feel and manage. And you're doing it every single day. Yeah. And it's messing you up on every front. It messes her up socially. It messes her up 
you know, when she's training in her sport, it messes her up in the classroom. It messes her up with her parents. It trips her at every single step of the way. And so what I know is she has now accepted, okay, here's who I am. Here's what I've got. I need Stephanie and I'm going to be totally receptive to what she tells me to do. And I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. Mm -hmm. You know, yes, there is this great carrot. There is this motivation. This is like life stuff we're all talking about, right? (laughs) It's true. There's a lot riding on a lot of things. I think this is the advantage to an athlete as well. You have a coach, Mm. right? She's got her coaches for her sport and I am her academic coach, so to speak. Yeah. I'm always fascinated by meeting particular women that are in really high level positions. Like, so what gave you that Mm. (laughs) self-confidence? Everybody's got this thing. So I know what athletics can do, but very often it's something else. Yeah. I had a summer job. I worked in a snack stand at this pool and this manager understood how good I was and gave me all this responsibility. Okay. So whatever it is in your life. So even though, yes, as a student athlete, but if your kid is a musician or if your kid is into something else, there's always a connection, right? We all have somebody who can teach us a course Mm -hmm. to get where we want to go or where we need to go in order to do what we want to do. 100%. In my kid's case, it's athletics and Stephanie has been able to connect that for her, whether it's an analogy or, you know, just specific connection to, I am here to build your skills just like you built your skills in your sport. Mm -hmm. And that's resonated with her because ultimately that's it, right? Yep. Building those skills to handle what she's got, which is a brain that will screw her up constantly. Mm -hmm. And I always have to be mindful of that. It's not her fault. Yeah. And it's not on purpose. I think that's the perfect ending wrapping up point to this episode. Megan, we can't thank you enough for your thoughtfulness in this. And I would love it if you would do our signature sign off. Have a great week, Smarties. Thank you for being here. (laughs) Thank you.